0: Hello, welcome to episode 159 of Right Act, the alternative music podcast. Yes, that's right. I've gone back to calling it the alternative music podcast. My name's Stephen Hill. Uh, I'm joined by Renfrey Dedman. Hello, Renfrey. How are you? Hello, I'm very well, Steve. How are you? I'm all right, thanks, mate. I'm all right. Before we go any further on the show this week, um, obviously, we do something we do on the show a fair bit, if you're a long-time listener, is we do do kind of uh, eulogies and tributes to people that have passed away, usually it would be somebody like, I mean, who we've done recently, Joey who was very sad, Eddie Van Halen, yeah. big, big artist. Um, we will be talking about Charlie Watson a little bit, but we want to dedicate the show this week to Matt Davis, who was a listener of the show and was a patron over on our patron page. At, um, do you know what? I nearly gave out the patron handle then. That would have been huge. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to do that. Um, but was a patron over on our patron page for a year. Um, gave us money, gave Renfrey and I money for over a year every month, which we are and continue to be incredibly, incredibly grateful for. Um, I guess uh, looking on Twitter and on the online rock and metal community, which sometimes can be a bit of a bugbear and an annoyance to me, I did notice a week ago when we put our last episode out that um, the news came through of Matt, who was someone who I'd met numerous times at gigs, always came up to me and who I didn't quite put two and two together with the guy who tweeted me lots of great you know, recommendations or agreeing with me mostly on stuff that had happened from the 90s uh, <laughs> a lot but there was a lot of um, really lovely chat about Matt and I think um, we just wanted to say and probably should say and make very very clear that we really do appreciate you guys listening to us and we really do appreciate people who listen to us and we really do appreciate people taking their time and their effort and particularly people actually spending money to listen to us speak and you know I can't sit here and say Matt is culturally as important to the world as Eddie van Halen or Joey Jordanson, and we can't do that kind of thing that we usually do, but he's important to us, and I know he's important to some of you listening and um it it was it was really sad, so um he's just everybody's life is definitely worth something a lot and means something to a lot of people, and Matt seemed to really really mean a lot to a lot of people within the scene and he seemed like a genuinely lovely guy in the handful of times that I met him and I am personally and I know you are too I'm sure you'll echo the sentiment in a second like really moved and genuinely grateful for him and anyone who tells us they enjoy the show or goes into our Patreon or recommends a show to anyone and um, I just thought it was worth saying that at the start of the show because it's it's a funny one when something like that happens it did feel genuinely sad and and i felt kind of quite weird about it um it's
1: quite surreal isn't it because you know neither of us neither of us knew matt really really well he came up to me a couple of times i think during shows and but we have this um interesting position that we are in because we're sort of podcasting and uh, rather than just writing I suppose this will be a little bit different for you, but obviously I started out just writing as a journalist and, at The Independent. And like some people would come up to me at gigs, but it was extraordinarily rare that anyone would actually know who I was. And then you start getting into the podcasting world and then you get loads of people come up to you. And it is a lovely thing because you you know, you know, discover this community and you discover that you, you are actually kind of part of uh, a, a community that is really lovely and outgoing and 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 just just lovely lovely people and when we hear of things like that I mean I think this is the first time we've ever heard of a listener who's passed away um and um it is a surreal thing because we sort of feel connected to them whilst at the same time knowing full well that they know so much more about us than we know about them almost, but yeah, it was very surreal, and, and it was an odd thing, isn't it? But it, uh, yeah, just to echo those sentiments that you said there, it really is appreciated when people come up to us and say nice things about the show and nice things about us and stuff like that. No one's ever a, no one's ever been to us in real life. That's only online, um, yeah. and 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 it's it's always appreciated and stuff like that. And so when you hear something like that, it was just. Um, yeah a very surreal odd thing and we wish uh all the best to matt's family and um yeah in our it's, uh, it's
2: a horrible and thing i
0: think you, you touched on something there which i think was sort of what makes this sort of feel so unusual and odd and that is you know i've worked and been involved with various things over the years that have gone out of their way to try and you know cultivate a community whether it's team radio or the other podcasts like you know kind of i would say somewhat cynically trying to go well this is the place that you need to be we've cultivated this community and it's like well i don't think you do cultivate a community i think a community kind of organically builds around you Mm. and i don't think that um we are responsible for a person like matt um meeting other like-minded people I think you just kind of you do just uh, you just kind of the universe I guess (laughs) I don't sound too much like a hippie just kind of draws you together due to the things that you really love and are passionate about and that's you know that's not a that's not something that can be kind of cynically crafted and manipulated I think it's something that just happens and I think Matt was a really good example of being a really a, a kind of a genuine example of a part of this community who who just liked talking about music and just liked going to gigs and just was a personable friendly talkative nice person from everything that i knew about him whether it being online with him, tweet- him tweeting me as i was talking on twitter or you know at a cancer bat show mm-hmm. or whatever where we went and chatted about certain albums that i had spoken about recently or whatever and um and that shit, is, that shit is really nice, and it's 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 you know it's one of those things where probably 15 years ago if I walked into a gig, I wouldn't really want to go into a gig on my own because I didn't really have many mates who were into metal and stuff, and I didn't really have any friends that I knew, you know, I didn't have a kind of, I don't know that sounds wanky, but there was no kind of community that I felt like I was part of, I just would occasionally go and see bands that I liked, yeah. maybe like one of my mates. Whereas now, if I get a ticket for a gig or I get on the list for a gig... I'll happily go on my own Because I'm almost I'm 99.9% certain I will bump into someone yeah. Who I know Or I kind of Partially are aware of And I can sit and chat with them And I'll end up Talking to somebody yep. At some point And that's That's not happened by design That's yep. just happened Because that has happened um it's, it's
1: a by it's a byproduct of what we do but it's a really positive one which was for me very very unexpected i guess you've been podcasting for longer i'm sure it was unexpected at the beginning for you mm. as well i mean actually funnily enough the very first time I still w-
0: never expect it do you know what i mean mm. I, would, I would never sort of expect it but even i've just said what i said i'm just you know
1: but the, the very first time we ever met was uh, me coming up to you at a let live show in kingston, yeah, in kingston. Uh, uh, and and talking to you about the Mental hammer podcast that y- y- yeah. the un- god when was that 2012? 2011 2012 I, I guess there we
0: go Ten years ago Fucking hell.
1: yeah i know you know and so and uh, but you know stuff like that is really i i think when something like this happens i think we do always appreciate that stuff but we don't often have an opportunity to tell you that we appreciate that stuff and this seems like a very very good opportunity to do that and also just to say um yeah just to wish matt's family well and and uh to say sorry for their loss and mm. uh
0: the last thing i would like to say on it uh, apart from what you just said is i i was thinking that we would take one of his suggestions for writers' review mm. um and do that and put it out for free for everyone as a sort of tribute thing in the entire time that he was a patron, which is over a year, he never suggested a single album, mm. which at first I was like, oh, that's, uh, that's weird. But then I was like, maybe it's not weird. Actually. Maybe it's just like really nice that he was happy to just like, some people would be like, well, I've paid my money and not just any of you lot do this, but some people do, I've paid my money and I want my thing. I want to have my voice heard and stuff. And obviously he didn't feel like that. He was just happy to pay the money because he liked listening to us talk about whatever albums it was that we would talk about. So, um, yeah, it's really sad. It's really genuinely sad. So IOP Matt and I'm, you know, and I hope everyone is okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, on the show this week, we're going to be reviewing new music from Turnstile, from Ginger, from Sugar Horse and from the Sons of Alpha Centauri. Uh, we should mention, as I just did, um, this is the proper sting for it now. <laughs> the uh, the the Patreon page, Patreon.com forward slash Riot Act Podcast. Do sign up over there we put out a right ears review on science by incubus this week yeah um lots lots of uh, uh,
1: feedback for that which has been great thank you everyone yeah uh, yeah really, really cool uh, uh,
0: yeah and actually um over two podcasts what with broken records as well two of the um the biggest crim the biggest criminals of the funk metal genre were both <laughs> dissected in quite <laughs> like fairly positive terms in yeah, uh in, yeah. in both of the podcasts that we did this week because we did the uh, one hot minute by the red Hot chili peppers on broken records um scandalously uh, wasn't allowed to be put as the best record that we have covered so far hey. even though it is but it's, uh, it, it's it's fine. A... Everyone agrees with me. Everyone agrees. <laughs> everyone listening. Everyone listening agrees with me. So you know it's fine, Memfrey. Like we're not going to go into any more. It's than a that.
1: very it's a very good album, which is flawed. Um, and we've had an awful. I mean, I did say that the uh, it's a it's a minority, but it's a very vocal minority, and I think that's been proved by the amount of people who have gotten in contact saying it's the best Red Hot Chili Peppers album. It clearly is. Yeah. Um,
0: everyone that listens to the show thinks that
1: i mean we'd have to do a poll to find out wouldn't we <laughs> well,
0: well broadly i mean you know i'm painting in fairly broad strokes here but you know everybody apart from one person has gone, yeah, it's the best really chillies <laughs> album. And there has been a lot of comments as well. It's not like it's just been one or two people. It's been like 20, 25-odd people. It's been I, a lot of people.
1: I think I think the people who prefer, let's say, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, I think that's the you know the, the majority. Um, mm. I think those people are just more chill, generally. And people who like One Hot Minute, uh, it's an angry album for angry people. And so they're very mm. vocal. That's what I would I would argue. But yes sure okay well hey guys
0: anyone anyone listening don't worry i will be bringing revisiting this argument anytime renfrey ever suggests anything small is actually really culturally important or really kind of big And don't worry he has now made that bed the bed has been made uh so it's all good it's all good we can just use that in the future pop that in the back pocket when he says, no, actually, Arctangent, uh, there's really, really big festival. It's huge, and loads of people love. And I go, well, not compared to Glastonbury. There's <laughs> of Glastonbury people there. Uh, vocal minor, a smaller minority of people who aren't as angry. Um, I, presented, but, um, I
1: presented my case. for, You know, I, I, was, I was bringing up songs, which I was like, well, this is this, version, this album's version of this, and I think this is better, mm. blah, blah, blah. And there was only one that you disagreed me with. Uh, uh, yeah but we... you
0: picked the, you picked the two worst songs on the album <laughs> <laughs> to go like <laughs> no. oh are there there are better versions of that on one minute anyway listen patreon.com forward slash right podcast we talk about science by incubus uh we got uh, a writers of you coming up um on instructions by heck at some point as well yeah. uh, i think we're gonna do alice and chains after that I one day we might we one might, day we swap
1: those over we might do alice and chains first yeah, day instructions, right. but yeah.
0: Uh, one day renfrey will pick the next
1: classic album i mean i reckon i could have done two classic I... albums in the meantime <laughs> i'm so sorry guys i'm being fucking useless um at the moment i'm not being useless i've got a lot of stuff on um but yes uh we haven't actually put anything out this month which is an absolute travesty um and we are going to sort that out because you pay for this content and uh it's not good enough so massive slap on the i was gonna say slap on the back but then i realized that Mm. that's a good thing isn't it massive slap to my face um before doing i've
0: already started notes quite extensive notes on my next pick that we i'm waiting is sitting like being stuck behind a Sort of learner driver, uh, a traffic light, <laughs> <laughs> Just honking the horn. Like I'm fucking ready to go. Genuine. And tell people what it is. All right, yeah. Tell people what it is. Yeah, thanks for
1: making me feel awful. Uh, <laughs> genuine apologies. We will make it up to you somehow, whether we do three or four next month, or we'll try and get one out before the end of this month. Although I'm looking at it now, we got right at the end of the month, which is right mm. arse. yeah, we we mm. will we will we will do something. And my humble apologies. Uh, it's pretty much entirely my fault.
0: No, not pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's entirely your fault. Uh, <laughs>
2: anyway, <laughs>
0: anyway uh, oh, yeah. there you go. Patreon do, Patreon.com forward slash right act podcast um, if you would like to sign up. And, you know, uh, the, the promise of extra material is there. Uh, let's talk about a few things. We should probably start, What kind of low key start to this um, show this week. But, um, charlie watts of the rolling stones passed away uh this week um he actually was he was 80 years old which mm. i couldn't believe that he was 80 years old he would obviously been playing with the uh, with the stones um died at a london hospital on the 24th of august at the age of 80 with his family around him um obviously charlie watts who has been in the rolling stones since 1963 1963. Yeah, uh, that is that is a that is a long time. Mm. <laughs> you
2: know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hot take. That is a, yes.
0: That. I mean, you know, I I just when I actually was like, oh my god, that's fucking that that's actually nearly sixty years playing for a band. Yeah. Sixty years playing for a band. Mm. That is fucking insanity, and I mean, the contribution of the rolling stones to the genetic makeup of rock music and rock and roll is needless to say clear, clear like you know they're possibly the possibly the um the biggest rock band
1: ever uh, th- they are certainly near the top of that tree um i mean you know i uh, we counting the beatles as a rock band uh, uh, it's Kind of, I guess
0: you could kind of count the Beatles a, as, a, as a rock and roll band. Mm, then mm. the Rolling Stones are, you know, the definitive rock and roll band in a in a in a lot of ways. Yeah, and yeah, um, and to to be the kind of backbeat to bring the kind of swing and the groove and the, you know, just the, the nailing down that meaty, you know, like I've said it before, it's a similar thing, I guess, with Phil Rudd in in acdc and Mm. i said before phil rudd not a showy player but just nails that backbeat to allow everything else to kind of flourish around him and um you know the rolling stones are far more experimental bands than acdc i think most bands (laughs) are to be fair (laughs) but um but um you know so i don't feel like charlie watts was a a showy player Uh, i don't feel like he was the sort of player who you know was really trying to be looked at as a key member of the Rolling Stones but at the same time absolutely iconic to be in that band for that long Um, and the tributes that have come in from every kind of part of the music industry from so many drummers from so many different genres from so many years and years and years of sort of broadly kind of guitar based music from U2 to Elton John to Slash to ryan adams to uh to liam gallagher to paul weller uh, to ringo starr it's just everybody everybody seems to be like you know this guy was you know the only drummer
1: in the rolling stones yeah yeah eddie vedder gave a absolutely lovely tribute to him um which was uh fantastic just to throw that one in there because i need to mention pearl jam every so often Mm -hmm. um just to pick up on that thing you said about um, not being a showy drummer i mean absolutely he wasn't a keith moon or, or or a john bonham or anything like that um but uh i can't remember which member of the rolling stones said this but one of them said that he was the engine in um the rolling stones and you know if the engine wasn't around then there would be no rolling stones so there is actually some question as to whether the stones will even continue um as a result of this uh so you know and 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 whilst he wasn't a showy drummer in any way he he did provide that backbeat and he was you know came from a jazz background um and uh, initially keith richards wrote in his diary that charlie watts this is like back in 1962 or something like that charlie watts was a lovely guy but he he can't rock um and that that was his impression of him uh first time around but then the more that they rehearse with him he picks that up really really quickly and um you know, I I think both of us have confessed that neither of us are massive Rolling Stones fans. I think we'd both describe ourselves as quite casual Rolling Stone fans. I recall. Yeah. I think was it me who picked Forty Licks or you? In in mm-hmm. our, 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 I think yeah, I think it I, was you. I picked forty licks in our kind of best of the best ofs, um, when we were talking about you know like those bands who you have to like you've got to own some of their stuff or you, you've you got to be familiar with some of their stuff, but you might not need absolutely everything. And I think I think Rolling Stones fit into that category. But if you get forty licks, you, that's an incredible two hours, maybe even almost two and a half hours that you, that you'll you'll have that there. And Charlie Watts is the engine of that entire thing, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, very very sad to hear. And and to be so kind of unassuming
0: in a band who are dominate, you know, obviously dominated by two massive characters, Chuck in Ronnie Wood as well. I was, was, was going to say yeah. arguably three, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and you, Brian Jones as well. If yeah. you want to go right back yeah. as well, but um, uh, there's a quote that's been sort of doing the rounds in, in the kind of aftermath of this he said I've actually never been interested in all of that stuff and I'm still not I don't know what show business is I've never watched MTV there are people who just play instruments and I'm pleased to know that I'm one of them so to be kind of not just the backbeat in the engine but to be like I think like you know I say it a lot when we talk about the you know the Malcolm Young's or the uh, the Abe Cunningham's or the, the kind of the more unassuming um people in bands who actually not that Abe Cunningham Cunningham is particularly unassuming as a person when he's out and about he's actually very personable but you get what I'm saying like nobody thinks initially goes oh Abe Cunningham when they think of Deftones you know what I mean um they think of Steph yeah I think more more readily but like there are those people in all those bands who are super duper important to the sound and the feel and the the way that those those bands operate he was he was
1: unassuming wasn't he yeah and and suave like really suave Mm. you know yeah yeah
0: Yeah. and didn't appear to take any shit as well I think he actually there's a story going around that um uh he told Jagger that Jagger he wasn't Jagger's drummer Jagger was his singer
1: well actually uh, I wanted to I wanted to read that bit from the uh Alex uh, Guardian obit so he said the most legendary story about Watts the possibly apocryphal one about him losing his temper when Mick Jagger referred to him as my drummer punching him in the face and telling him he was in fact Watts' singer is legendary because it seems so utterly out of character so I, I, I yeah the fact that that is an out of character story for him I mean whether, whether it's true or not I don't know but it's gone in sort of rock and roll folklore hasn't it now but um, mm. yeah I, it, it is a great story whether it's true or not
0: yeah yeah so there you go um, uh, I don't know what this means for the Rolling Stones I mean at 80 I guess I was having this conversation with my mate yesterday and I was like imagine wanting to play would you want to be playing drums at the age of 80 Like, would you want to be going out on tour at the age of 80 I'd love to just be like, relaxing yeah. and enjoying my life And but I guess maybe that's what kind of keeps those people young yeah who knows yeah definitely. um and as my mate pointed out to me because i was going oh, it's a lot of traveling a lot of this and a lot of that and he's like well, it's not like they're staying at like the, the budget ibis or anything like that i'm sure they're staying in pretty nice you know flying economy i'm sure they're flying you know private jets and staying yeah. in the best places but still but still you know I, I i wonder if i guess if there's a demand to see the rolling stones then they will probably want to continue i would imagine but i don't know I, this would make me go maybe we should just leave it now Mm. but I'm not sure that it will
1: we'll see we'll see
0: we'll see Uh, anyway in the other piece of news that broke this week that is um, sad but just sad in a different way (laughs) sad not sad as in upsetting but sad as in pathetic Spencer (laughs) Eldon who you might know as the naked baby on the front cover of Nirvana's Nevermind album is suing the band for (laughs) alleged sexual exploitation um, apparently, Eldon, who's 30 now, says his parents never signed a release also authorizing the use of the album. And he has alleged that the nude image constitutes, renfrey child pornography. Now, every time somebody gets naked, is that pornography? Do you think?
1: Of course it's not. That's absolutely uh, mm. bonkers and doolally. And there's plenty of uh, examples of um, that in art uh, all over the world and throughout history.
0: Yeah. So, can we from this deduce that Spencer Eldon, the baby on the front cover of the Nevermind album, is not only a paedophile because he is seeing something <laughs> sexual in just naked flesh? So, not only is he a paedophile, he is a paedophile who is sexually aroused by his own image <laughs> as a naked baby. Uh,
1: that is the views of
0: Stephen Hill and not Right Act. That, at all, is, the views of, that is the views of Stephen Hill. <laughs> that is my view. I'm looking at it and thinking, when a baby gets its nappy changed, mm. that isn't pornographic. No. That's a baby getting its nappy changed. When I go for a shower, I'm not doing something pornographic i'm having a wash
1: some would beg to differ
0: well you know if you could see some of the shit that i do when i'm in the shower then you might agree occasionally but i say that's
1: like that's like
0: two or three times a week maximum um but on the other occasions is definitely not so i don't understand this i don't understand this at all and it, this uh, i i I mean, the other week, when we were talking about the Bob Dylan thing, we are like, mm, we're not really sure about this. This is something that probably should be properly looked into and we should reserve our judgement. This, I'm like, no.
1: You are just outing yourself as a nonce. <laughs> it's funny because, um, actually, I, I read a fact which I was unaware of um, beforehand that Geffen wanted stickers put on the Nevermind CD when it came out, basically apologising for graphic content or whatever and Kurt Cobain said he would only put a sticker on saying if you're offended by this cover art you must be a paedophile so it was basically taking mm. your train of thought with it let's just, um, uh, I'll just read all the legal Schmeagel stuff very very quickly uh, the images exposed Spencer's intimate body part and lasciviously displayed Spencer's genitals from the time he was an infant to the present day, legal papers filed in California claim Non-sexualised photos of infants are generally not considered child pornography under US law. However, Eldon's lawyer, Robert Y. Lewis, argues that the inclusion of the dollar bill, which was superimposed after the photograph was taken, makes the minor seem like a sex worker. Um, Steve, that's a bit of a jump, isn't it? And, and I, would, I would argue that that cover art can be interpreted in a myriad of different ways, and mm. you could interpret it in that way well
0: yes again robert y lewis who's doing his job with not a lot to work with um (laughs) if you're looking at that and going that looks like a picture of a prostitute baby i think you've got some you should be on some sort of register shouldn't you if mr lewis if that is what you see when you see this i think that says more about you than it does about the front cover of Nevermind. I,
1: I, mean, I it's just it's just baffling. They're asking for they seeking damages of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is about one hundred nine thousand pounds. And they're they're suing fifteen defendants, uh, including Dave Grohl, Chris Novoselic, uh, the managers of Kurt Cobain's estate, Courtney Love, uh, and the photographer. I mean, what has Courtney Love got to do with this? I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? That's absolutely mad.
0: That is mad. That's like if I got hit by a car. I would sue the person who hit
1: me in the car, their old primary school teacher. (laughs) What's that got to do with anything? Um, Spencer Eldon claims he has suffered and will continue to suffer lifelong damages as a result of the artwork, including extreme and permanent emotional distress, as well as interference with his normal development and educational progress and medical and psychological treatment. Now, for the purposes of balance, just for a millisecond, I mean... As a child, you cannot consent to that sort of thing. Your parents or your guardian have to consent. And I think, you know, that I can understand why, if you had had your picture taken as a baby and your willy was hanging out and then it got on a record which then went on to sell millions and millions of copies worldwide and became a cultural touchstone for modern music, I can understand why that might feel a little bit invasive but this does feel a little bit. Well, I'm 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 being putting it politely when I say a little bit OTT and a little bit ridiculous. Especially the fact that in interviews. He has said stuff in the past where it's like, oh, it's a bit weird that this has happened, but he has actually also been very positive about it and upbeat about it in other interviews And recreated well. it like
0: fucking four, four times. Uh,
1: three, I believe. He's recreated oh, yeah. it for the 10th anniversary, 20th anniversary and 25th anniversary. Of course, when he recreates it, he's wearing swimming shorts. But he did. He told The Guardian six years ago, it's always been a positive thing and opened doors for me. That's my emphasis on always, but I'm 23 now and an artist. And this story gave me an opportunity to work with Shepard Fairey for five years which was an awesome experience. He is a huge music connoisseur. When he heard I was the Nirvana baby, he thought that was really cool. So he's... Kind of flip flopped, and and he has done interviews where it's been like it's a bit strange, and you know it's unusual that everyone's basically seen my winky and all this kind of thing. But of course, when you get to twenty five, you look exactly
0: the same as you did when you were a few months old, don't you? Oh no, no, that's wrong. Right, Every single baby ever born looks exactly the fucking same. <laughs> so how does anybody know that could be you or I on their end? Exactly. Like, that could be anyone. Well, this like he around like he does the thing that I go to a baseball game and I think, man, everyone at this baseball game's probably seen my little baby penis and I feel like I've got part of my human rights revoked. Well, no one else in that stadium, unless you walk around going, tapping people on the shoulder, excuse me, I'm sitting in that seat now. Oh, by the way, do you know I'm the... <laughs> y- you've probably seen my penis. Like, <laughs> what?
1: Like, <laughs> is, well, this is, ex- this is exactly the point I wanted to bring up. The only way people are going to know no one's going to recognise a, you know, 15-year-old Spencer Eldon or 20-year-old or 25-year-old Spencer Eldon or 30-year-old Spencer Eldon as he is today from that picture. The only way they would know is if he were to tell them that he was the baby on that cover. So it's all just a bit like, come on, man, what are you fucking talking about? To be fair, look, his parents apparently got $200 for the photo, you know, which isn't isn't an awful lot of money, considering what it went on to sell. But, uh, well, let me let me recount this properly. In 2008, Spencer's father, Rick, recounted the photo shoot to US radio network NPR, saying he'd been offered $200 to take part by Weddell, that's the photographer, who was a family friend. we just had a big party at the pool, and no one had any idea what was going on. The family quickly forgot the photo shoot until three months later they saw the Nevermind album cover blown up on the wall of Tower Records in Los Angeles. Two months after that, NPR's article said Geffen Records sent one year old Spencer Elden, a platinum album, and a teddy bear. We have to remember that at this point Nirvana were not a massive band. Like mm. that yes, it, it did explode and it did, but when the photo was taken, no one thought that this was gonna be anything beyond I mean, how let me, many? Let, how let
0: me just jump in here because I want to say about this whole. Thing. Oh, look at the amount of money that it made, and we—I d- didn't make any money, and uh, and all this stuff. Like, yeah, they weren't. So, my mate was in Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. when he was uh, an actor about twenty or over twenty years ago. Now he played Romeo in Romeo and Juliet uh, in the Playhouse in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Do you know who his understudy was? I do not. James McAvoy. Hello. Right. James McAvoy understudied him, right? Now he has not spent the rest of his life going, "Well, I, I told James McAvoy I to play Romeo, so why am I not getting loads of money when he's in X-Men, when he's playing Dr. Doom or whatever geezer's name is, Professor X in <laughs> <and> X-Men? X. <laughs> Professor X, yeah, whatever it is. Um, uh, you know, when he's in Wanted with Angelina Jolie, he's not going, "Oh, you should send me some money because I told him how to like use Stanislavski in techniques to play like he's not doing that. You just happened to be in a thing, a guy. You happened to bump past someone who became really, really successful. Like, yeah. Fuck off. I, yeah. I hate this guy. I hate him. I think he's a, I think he's a fucking chancer. At, at, at best, he's a chancer. At worst, he's a paedophile who fancied his own cock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we're never going to get him on the show now. Fuck's sake! Don't want him on the show.
0: <laughs> I'd rather have Glory Hammer on the show. Than this <laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. That's definitely not true. No, 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 no. I would quite like to have Gloria Hammer on the show so I could go, ha, 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 (laughs) your career's over. Everyone knows you're the cunt that I always knew you were. Ha,
1: ha, 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 (laughs) ha. Yeah, yeah. Look, I agree with you. I'm trying to bring some form and semblance of balance, but, yeah, I mean, it seems completely silly. And I think... You know, before articles would come up with Spencer Alden, it's like, oh, cool, it's an interview with the baby on the cover of Never Mind, and like, I, I, I had an- no animosity towards him at all, and now I'm just kind of like, you're a prick, mate. Like, fuck off, you're a fucking prick, <laughs> <laughs>
2: you're a fucking prick.
0: absolute fucking prick, fucking prick. <laughs> Take your fucking tiny cock and fuck off. <laughs> anyway, oh,
2: <sighs> <sighs>
0: yeah, get him on the fucking sex offenders register, probably. <laughs> he fancies himself as a baby you weirdo you fucking weirdo anyway um, Renfrew you saw Bellevue Days changing the, <laughs> uh, the tact of the show very
1: very drastically yeah I did oh dear oh give me a second <laughs> Um, yes. run through frantically putting edit points into the all over the floor yeah. oh, how if, am going to edit this if you heard me tippy tapping on my keyboards that, that might be an edit point uh yes <laughs> yes I went to see Bellevue Days now look I really mainly wanted to mention this because um we love Bellevue Days we love this band yeah, don't we yeah fucking really good band man yeah really good band. yeah and and I have to say, uh, just just quickly, just to involve you in this a little bit. Well, give, can you give us a, a a little description of what Bellevue Days are, what they sound like, what kind of bands they sound like? They're kind
0: of they're a British band who are doing that kind of, I guess, mid to mid nineties to early noughties j Tree style,
1: uh, heartland emo thing. Yeah 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 i mean i mean they're one of those bands which are kind of difficult to categorize in a way because really they're just a rock band but they have an element they have elements of punk in there they have elements of emo in there um they kind of remind me of bands like uh brand new uh, they remind me of Tellison quite a lot um just like really good songs that you know you would expect should be able to get on the radio or something like that if if
0: used to be able to get on the radio. used, used
1: yeah. to be able to get on the radio i should say yeah 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 and I think we've always kind of felt like, why aren't this band bigger than they are? Because they they are absolutely fantastic. And I have to confess, I'd never actually seen Bellevue Days before. Uh, And I just noticed they were playing in Camden Assembly, uh, formerly The Barfly. I was just like, I'm going to go. And it was just a lovely evening being reminded of what a fantastic band they are and how brilliant their songs are. I was really, really pleased... Um, they played a, a, a range of stuff from across their back catalogue, which isn't vast. They have one album, one full length album, and three EPs. But I was actually really pleased that they they actually played plenty of stuff from the EPs as well because they have been great from day one, pretty much. One of the last songs they played was "Ripped Jeans," which is the first song on their first ep it was a brilliant brilliant song but they played a wealth of stuff people were calling for another song at the end and uh they did a genuine encore not one of those like fake ones where they walk off and go but they, they were also kind of like we we don't know how to play any other songs except for dandy warhol's bohemian like you so we could do that oh, wow! <laughs> and you know what i've I, i've never had a strong opinion on that song one way or the other but in their hands, it was a fucking banger. <laughs> it was great, you know, and there was a really loose sort of sense to it. um I was moaning a little bit about a few bands, at Bloodstock, who just do the same thing over and over again every single show, you know, uh, and, and steal slipknots moves. And there was no sense of that at all with this. It really felt like everything that was happening was very genuine and very live and happening immediately in front of us and all that kind of thing. And really, I mainly wanted to bring it up just to remind people that Bellevue Days exist. And and that they are fucking great and I want, you know, people should totally listen to them because in t- just in terms of like very pure, unadulterated, great songwriting, there aren't many bands better than them doing what they do. And, you know, and they're playing um, to a half full Camden Assembly. I, I think there were maybe a hundred people there. And they should be playing to 10 times that, I think, literally. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just, just wanted to use this platform to be like, guys, Bellevue Days, get on it. They're fucking great.
0: Yeah, they're a good band. They are a good band. I've not listened to them for a little while, actually. But when uh, I think we did their last, uh, we did their album, didn't we? We
1: reviewed their debut album on episode yeah. 69. <laughs> oh, that was a long time ago. Wasn't it was it? a long time ago, but um, it's, it, it's a great record. All of mm-hmm. their EPs are fantastic. Like, I don't think they've really written a bad song. I mean, they probably only have, like, 25 songs or something like that. I think they do have exactly 25 songs, but they're all great. 21 more than Wargasm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they were, they were awesome. And if you're unaware of them and you like that kind of uh, heart on sleeve thing, then Bellevue Days Menzing is esque I guess. Um, they're just great. They're fantastic
0: they are i agree i mean i didn't see the gig but um i can uh agree with you on that i mean just because i didn't see a band doesn't mean that i don't like them <laughs> a bit like black tongue
1: at, uh, <laughs> <laughs> at i found the band who oh, i saw it wasn't black tongue
0: did we did you put this in
2: our podcast about, i, I can't remember
1: tongue. last week's edit was uh so horrendously difficult it for with me it. i can't remember if i edited it out or not but
0: I was with my mate, and he was like, Black Tongue are on, like, like now. And I was like, Well oh, and I thought, give him a shout on the podcast. Walked over, watched a little bit of him. It wasn't Black Tongue, by all accounts, because they didn't play. But, you know, apparently that means... I don't know
1: anything about music. Apparently, that means you're a failed writer. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. Yeah, apparently yeah, know. a failure. But, uh, isn't it weird that uh, all the people that are saying that? Um, what's funny about it is, even though that happened to me, people still care about my opinion. All the people saying it, no one cares about this. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I still win.
1: They're probably all Glory haber fans as well, so you know.
0: Probably are, or they weren't. They probably going. Oh, it's such a shame. It's not a shame. It's it's. <laughs> it's what needed to happen to the world
1: anyway we weren't going to talk about that but just very very quickly go on to the comments and see the people who are trying to defend glory hammer fucking hell it's abhorrent
0: yeah you know you're, you're right oh it's a shame isn't it no more
1: else is a shame.
0: Yeah. anyway let's move on and do some reviews let's start with a band who i was about to say similarly to bellevue days it's not really similar to bellevue days but i think this band should be bigger mm. but maybe they will get bigger on the strength of this record glow on by turnstile the third full-length album from the maryland punk rockers Are we gonna call them punk rockers still i don't even know if that is even the thing to call turnstile at this point it is the follow-up to 2018's time and space album which at this point feels like some sort
1: of modern classic fuck yeah to me yeah yeah mm. it's it's on classic albums is it really okay mm-hmm. fair enough that would yep. be interesting this is such a massive spoiler but this record's probably gonna get on classic albums as well <laughs> shall we move on we
0: were very keen on and we've obviously um we're gonna try not to cover too much old ground on this because there's a fair bit there's 15 songs in this album there's quite a lot of songs that we have already spoken about when we spoke about the turnstile love, turnstile love connection, love connection.
1: yeah mean? well we didn't realize and to be fair i don't think the industry uh, as at large realized but th- that that was that ep that they put together was essentially them releasing all four of the singles that they were going to release for this album in one go but they hadn't actually announced the album and there was an embargo on it uh so we couldn't say anything about it but we didn't we didn't realize that at the time i think if we'd realized that we probably would have waited for the record and then done that but we can you know if you want to like basically those four songs that are on that ep they're also on this album and they're all fucking amazing and we loved that ep yeah there you go
0: and since they have done that they have also released fly again oh have they oh what a song which has actually got a few of the other songs that are on this record Uh, as well like alien love call and blackout as well nice um We haven't actually spoken about them, but we will speak about them again. I mean, basically, we loved that, what was it, eight minutes of Turnstile Love Connection? We were like, thank you so much in this eight-minute period. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess here we go again then. The great big Turnstile loving comes around once more here on Riot Act from the second the the spacey electro guitar part and uh, electro part gives way to this big flange guitar with some proper melodic hardcore ray capo vocals on mystery which you know as i said is, a, is is a song that we have already reviewed um even though i heard it already i was still like well this record's gonna fucking rule <laughs> isn't it and it does
2: yeah yeah
0: and they're just so yeah. good like listening back to it as the sort of opening song on on the record and in kind of context of the record this sort of exuberant catchy thing with this big Jerry Cantrell guitar solo and a kind of flea style running bass riff, sounds really modern. And I was like, I'm kind of feel convinced that they maybe are the band to appeal to those people that don't like punk or metal or hardcore. You know, we said it about underneath the Code Orange, like maybe they're gonna be the band who will challenge that kind of Coachella crowd. and unfortunately you know due to the pandemic and stuff we never really got a chance to see how that was going to play out um and code orange are very heavy and they're still my favorite Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. fair they're still my favorite guitar band
1: in the world we are talking about two very different bands though two bands two bands you could describe as punk and certainly they both have punk elements to them but they're on totally opposite ends of the spectrum really yeah exactly which is why i
0: think you are net turnstile looking at a band where you go well i think if there is going to be a band who are artistically challenging artistically interesting and still feel like a band that belong within our scene they're not fucking water parks some bullshit like that but (laughs) they also they they also have enough kind of modern stuff i mean i've written down like soldier boy at one point in my review and i'm just like like how how the fuck am i
1: being positive about something that reminds me of soldier boy like it's fucking
2: (laughs) mental Um... i
1: i reviewed um this album for metal hammer and and i have a little perverse game that i like to play whenever i can which is basically trying to get as many non-metal references into metal hammer reviews as i possibly can (laughs) which is hard when they give you khan effects It, it, it is difficult yeah it is difficult sometimes but i managed to get like I think I can't remember if Offspring made it but Offspring was in there I think Ramones, Drug Church the Miami Vice soundtrack Chris Isaac you know I think there's places that it sounds like On Holiday there's the offbeat percussive hits which um, is straight out of the Slipknot playbook you know like mm. the, There's they, they are pulling from so mm. many different elements and so many different so many different genres and styles and stuff like that and they play them there's this brilliant brilliant riff or brilliant brilliant idea and then it's thrown away within sort of 20 seconds only to be replaced by an equally brilliant idea and that is just the entire record it just does that like brilliant idea after brilliant idea which all flows brilliantly uh, unlike you know say i don't know the between the buried and me record i was about um, <laughs> to say with fucking
0: blackout i mean again you know like a riff and they drop this little Latino salsa beat in it's cool as fuck massive riff about th- it's about a third of the song before it kind of gets going and you get this massive breakdown towards the end
2: oh, and then something
0: breakdown. that could then, then something that could have been on stomp you yeah. know just bang like pan lids together yeah. and stuff yeah, 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 less than three minutes still sounds like a cohesive song loads of stuff going on there you go between the very and me mm-hmm. there that's you go that's how you do it yeah, yeah. don't you know? just chuck a load of riffs into a thing and then just p- put a banjo
1: bit nine minutes into a song but i think that's the other key thing isn't it because all of the you just mentioned the salsa bits in that song which are fucking amazing but they don't you listen to it and it doesn't sort of initially certainly it didn't particularly stand out as oh this is the salsa bit because it sounded like an intrinsic and very vital necessary part of the song and you know i didn't get that uh, this isn't turn surfaces between the buried and me and they're ridiculous comparisons anyway um but you know uh, uh, sometimes when bands are just throwing lots of ideas at the wall um it feels like oh this is the banjo part this is the this part this is the bit where we do a hoe down and then we go into the really heavy rock bit Th- these are just great songs which just happen to have a myriad of different influences that have all come in and connect them together um, I think that kind
0: of Latin rhythm plays throughout the record as well. I think yeah. it's
1: like used a, a
0: lot in, in, in the record. I don't think yeah. it's like, oh, we've thrown this in. It's kind of imbued into the fabric of the record. Exactly. In, in the kind of slower parts. It's like, it's, you know, Don't Play is a hardcore song yeah. with kind of electronic drums. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's still got that kind of Latino rhythm to it as well. Yeah. Um, you know that they've got. Uh, they just know how to groove and use melody and sound heavy and so sound fucking badass. Like holiday, it's just so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Just sound fucking cool. You're like not many, like. Even if you think no, actually I need a twelve minute long between the buried and me. Like again, I don't want to shit on between the buried and me particularly, but like I need a twelve minute long like riff, riff like between the nothing on the between the buried and me. We go. This just sounds fucking cool. Do you know what I mean? It just sounds cool. Whereas you know, as a big fan of the '80s, when they go into that Miami Vice territory, like on Underwater Boy, which yeah. is like dog eat dog meets Phil Collins, pretty much the best song <laughs> of the fucking year. <laughs> um, Underwater
1: Boy was the one that I mentioned was like Chris Isaac, but yeah, I can I can see yeah. dog eat dog meets Phil Collins. That,
0: that kind of cocktails and dreams break with the female vocal is so mm. is so beautifully unpunk that mm. it might just be the most punk thing in the world.
1: Absolutely, it just I press play on this album and it just makes me happy. It feels like the purest form of joy, uh, kind of wrapped up in musical form that I've heard definitely all year um and and possibly since time and space (laughs) like like the the the, you know as in the most just pressing play on a record and just going yes this is what i want and i put i get a massive smile on my face and that smile doesn't doesn't leave my face until the end of the record where i just press play again and it comes back it's just pure unadulterated joy uh, every cool new innovative idea that comes in every thirty seconds, and yet they make it sound all so, s- all so easy and so simple. They 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 make it seem all so effortlessly brilliant, uh, and it's done to such a ridiculously high standard. Uh, like on, and no on one the else song... really
0: sounds like this, do they? No, one no.
1: Else really sounds like this. And there's and there's some parts where you just think. How on earth did they do that? There's this song "Humanoid" slash "Shake It Up," which is effectively, you know, "Humanoid" and "Shake It Up." Two uh, songs uh, in just over a minute. Two songs yeah. in, a, in a minute. Yeah, and the audaciousness of the switch from one song to the next. On paper, it shouldn't work, but they do it with such an effervescent kind of joy and quality. It's just so. They 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 just hammer at it and it works. Like I don't I don't know and I don't know how. It feels like a really sudden about turn, but it works brilliantly. Wild World. The intro to Wild World sounds like a punk rock version of Cuban Pete from the Mask soundtrack. Um, you know Cuban Pete? Oh, I'm a Cuban yeah. beat. I'm the king of the rumba
0: beat. Yeah. You know, that is like one of the best rhythmic things I've heard in forever. It's, it's so great. good. That is that Latino beat taken to the absolute apex of what Turnstile do. And then when they go into the fucking full blown hardcore stomp, it's so different. And I shouldn't have not expected it because I should have expected to be like, oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. I should have expected to have seen something that I wasn't going to see coming. But I just think on paper, like, I don't know how that works. And yet
1: it works. It's so wicked. Exactly, yeah. Um, something that we haven't mentioned yet, um, this record. So Time and Space was produced by Will Yip, who's just a, a bit of an absolute legend in that kind of scene. He's a fantastic producer. But I think something I was trying to kind of think of ways to describe the differences between this record and, and time and space and i think this album is uh broader and brings in broader influences without throwing you know no baby has been thrown out no spencer eldon has been thrown out of the bath water you know with this record it's produced by mike elizondo whose co-writing credits include mega hits such as 50 cents in the club Eminem's Just Lose It and Family Affair by Mary J. Blige, um, who's Dr. Dre's prodigy. He produced Fiona Apple and Eminem, uh, and he co-produced it with Brendan Yates, the vocalist of Turnstile. And I didn't know that until after I'd reviewed the record for Hammer, actually. I, l- I learned that afterwards. Um, but that kind of... Uh, I think maybe it is the Latin elements that you're talking... That there's a kind of zip and uh joy to this record which you you could argue has a through line with the very best hip-hop stuff or r&b stuff there's kind of and i think it is in those sort of latin rhythms and things like that but there's just it's it's almost like punk rock carnival you know
0: yeah yeah i, I that's a really great shout i mean there's stuff on here i mean even when they get to the kind of ballady stuff i mean i've written down like Alien love call reminds me of terence Trent derby mm. um and, I mean, we discussed uh, "Turnstile Love Connection when we did the EP, it, which is just so
2: TLC, fucking Brilliant. amazing.
0: Brilliant. But yeah, like, all, all those songs you mentioned, you know, Just Lose It, In The Club, Family Affair, like, those songs have this, just, they are so brilliantly propulsive. And I miss that about, kind of, particularly mainstream hip-hop, which I think is even when it's that like cardi b kind of stripper hip-hop i can't really get on board with it because it never really it's not there's no kind of low end to any of that there's no kind of gut punch to any of that it all feels a bit like kind of tinkly sprinkly on top and um yeah and 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 just a bit kind of low but the energy's a lot lower and and i think like that that period in particular where shit that was getting played in clubs and stuff like when i would go out to a club or whatever when i was in my sort of mid early to mid 20s and they'd play that shit it just sounds fucking amazing like booming through big speakers and this would sound like that yeah. now i guess that kind of aesthetic has got to come back into the mainstream for something like turnstile to get um the kind of love that they're going to need to get from i guess younger people who are more used to a more kind of um uh minimalisty lo-fi, low energy, not lo-fi, but like low energy sounding thing. Um but they're in a bloody perfect position for when it does. And there's stuff like I mean for there's a song in it called New Heart Design, which sounds like Duran Jaran. And like it sounds like Duran Duran. Not mixed with anything like not it's not influenced by Duran Duran. It's not like, oh it's got a bit of Duran Duran in it. It's not mixed with it's not this done with Duran Duran. It just sounds like Duran Duran until the chorus comes in when she isn't so much. but most of that song, I was just like, this this just sounds like Duran Duran. I think not a punk version just fucking Duran Duran it's amazing
1: yeah. I think uh, this might sound like I'm trying to contradict you there and, and I'm not because yes I do agree with you it does sound like Duran Duran but actually I think one of the biggest strengths of this record overall is even with the absolutely ridiculous myriad of influences that they have where, where you can tell that the members of this band just love music they don't love Hardcore, they do love hardcore, but they 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 just love music as a whole, you know. And they will take anything from anything and put it in, provided it sounds cool. um I think the real strength of this record is, even with all those influences, Turnstile just sound like Turnstile all the time. They always have a very clear voice, which is Turnstile. Yeah. And mm. and 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 yes, that might sound contradictory to what you just said. It it isn't. I agree with you. That song does sound like Duran Duran, but really. The, the absolute beauty of this record is, whilst they're bringing in all those influences, they never sound like anyone else but Turnstile in a way. Well, you know. Well, I
0: was going to say like the last song's called Lonely Desires, and I've put it's a really good mix of modern pop filtered through '80s spacious sounds, '90s alternative rock, and melodic hardcore punk, which broadly is what I think Turnstile, Turnstile are. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: quite. Yeah,
0: uh, and and I don't think anyone else is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Hence why this ultimately. For all the things we can say, yes, it just sounds like turnstile. I mean, are we really shocked by this
1: at all? No. Uh, n- <sighs> yes and no. Um When I was sent the promo, I did press play on it tentatively, but only because of how much I love Time and Space. Uh It was number two in my albums of the year, as far as I recall. Uh, And it was in a similar position on yours, if I recall, maybe three or was- four top definitely top five yeah 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 so so the only reason why i was tentative was like oh goodness me i hope it is as good as time and space after two or three plays i mean after the first play i was not disappointed after two or three plays i was like i'm convinced this is as good as time and space at least um is it better
0: your thoughts?
1: I don't know. It's hard to I don't to say. know, it's hard at the moment. But I do mm. but I'm but I'm pretty damn convinced that it's at least as good.
0: Yeah, I would say it's as, it's definitely
1: as good. And and I and I actually do think, give give me another month of it, probably another week with it actually. And I think I might even say it's better. We'll see. We'll see come the end of the year. But I fucking love this album. I adore this album.
0: Me too. Mm. It's brilliant. Fucking it? brilliant. I mean, I'm wondering what Turnstile do next. Where do they go? What can they say? Or what shots can they bring people? I mean, that's for the future, really. We mm. should just enjoy this <clears> record <throat> and enjoy the fact that they are on, you know, brilliant stupendous form. form at the moment. But I am like, fucking hell. But I guess that's the, I guess that's the, the thing, isn't it? So, you know, like, after hearing Forever, I was like, well, I don't know how they top this. Mm. And they did. Yeah and then you know this has come along i'm not as i mean i think it's the thing with underneath i was like th- that is definitely better than forever definitely uh whereas this i'm like oh yeah it's it's definitely on par i'm not uh, it's definitely on par and we'll see kind of where it lands towards the end of the year or whatever um but yeah it's like, i guess like I, i'm sort of thinking to myself like how do you fucking how are they going to top this how are they going to kind of continue this it's going to be difficult
1: i mean on this form you know like uh, it's so funny because that first turnstile album, when the first one, oh, what is it called? Nonstop again? feeling. Nonstop feeling. When Nonstop feeling came out, like that was really exciting. It was really cool, and it felt more like kind of like, oh, this is like Metallica riffs mixed with punk, like hardcore punk. This is awesome. But I think, and and that record is great. But you look, but but time and space and glow on. You compare them to Nonstop feeling, and Nonstop feeling does feel very. I don't even want to say amateurish in, in comparison. Just but, rudimentary. Just rudimentary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rudimentary is a far better word than amateurish. But but you know, it, it, these two records in particular have made that one feel very kind of uh, like okay now. And that album wasn't okay when it came out. When it came out I was like, "Oh, this is cool. This is wicked." Who are two of this band, you know? um uh, but I, I i that's exactly what a band should do isn't it they should they should grow and expand with each release and Turnstile are doing that in a beautiful beautiful manner um in a in a sense this is neither here or there uh here nor there but i did want to throw this in just as a little bonus um uh, turnstile have previously donated their merch profits to pay bail for those imprisoned during the black Lives matter protests and when they tour they put anyone with refugee status on the guest list which you know like i say in terms of the quality of the record and stuff is neither here nor there but in terms of them just being fucking wonderful people mm, how cool. cool is that like particularly mm. the, refi- the like putting anyone on the guest list with refugee status i just thought like that is fucking cool um and um fair play to them for that i think that's awesome so like i say that's just a little bonus thing but that is wicked i love that
0: yeah that's really cool that's really cool good good dudes and a very 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 good band indeed incredible uh let's hope more people listen to them i think Mm. they should i think Mm. they
1: should Do, do, uh, do you think this album could have any um uh, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you see the potential for this album to have any, any sort of quote unquote mainstream success?
0: I've kind of given up on wondering double guessing now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what people like. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. I just don't understand. Speaking of which, that was Glow On <laughs> by a Turnstile. Go and listen to it. So we've, we're going to do that thing now. This is a part of the show that we occasionally do uh, now and again where we review a band that neither of us are ever going to like but are getting a lot of hype in the metal scene. And we tell you why they aren't that good. And Renfrey reviews the reviews of the album <laughs> and then says how he wishes that Frontier are on the front cover of Kerrang! and playing the main stage at Download. Even though that's never going to happen. And I sort of try and go, oh, it's not that bad, before quickly forgetting about the entire existence of the band. Also, we it's should so say, true. um before we get into it, we won't be reviewing the Spirit Box album, which comes out in a few weeks. But if you're a bit annoyed and you want us to do that, little life hack just listen to this review of this album the week the spirit box album comes out and every time we say ginger just pretend we've said spirit box and there you go two albums reviewed in one we're talking about ginger wallflowers the fourth full-length album and the follow-up to 2019's macro from the ukrainian tech metal band who I ain't really bothered with that much before um
1: (laughs) sort of said it really haven't i (laughs) Okay. Um, yes, as Steve pointed out, there Ginger have been getting an awful lot of hype quite recently, and um, you know, if, if if bands are getting a lot of press, I think I think we should cover them, you know. And I had to persuade you a little bit to do this one, but you know, I think I think we should at least cover it and sort of try and uh, figure out why. And look, I'm going to say right now, I do not think that Ginger are a bad band personally i don't think they're a terrible band we've brought it up already and it's becoming kind of like the dictionary definition of shit band but you know we're not talking about a wargasm here these people can play fuck me they can play they can play very well as a matter of fact it, this isn't a disaster or anything like that but i do listen to a record like this and go why are this band getting hyped I, I i don't get it because because they sound like every other band in the tech fest scene or the euroblast scene or anything like that i don't see anything wildly different from a million other identikit bands of that type i think the main thing that bugged me about this record is it's all very impressive that you know they're very very good players there just isn't much decent songwriting there is there is
0: there even a song on this record well there's... i mean i wrote down i wrote down a bit earlier and i put song in in quotation mm. marks, yeah, yeah, because I was like, I don't think this is, I don't think they've, I don't think there's a song.
2: Mm.
0: I think calling these things songs, there's some, re- there's there's actually some really good. It's like, good riffs parts on it, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Call me a symbol, it's got a kind of Pantera feel to it.
1: Yeah, starts well. This album,
0: the melodic bit at the end loses me a little bit, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's sort of all right. And there's a sort of bluesy bit at the start of Vortex. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, yeah. Then it goes into the sort of real ho hum proper radio rock stuff. I like the bit on Disclosure when she goes woo.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or the the bit at the um, the bit at the beginning of the last song where she's like stop Bip. go. Oh, then go yeah yeah go yeah, 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 yeah. go. Yeah. You stop. know, there's cool bits on it throughout. It sort of goes quank 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 gong 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 and she goes stop.
0: Yeah. And they will stop. And then
1: she goes, "Go," and it goes, guang, quang, guang, guang, <laughs> yeah. guang. Yeah. guang yeah. probably the most original thing that I've ever heard on an album. Um, no, I'm being yeah. facetious, but but you know, like that is done well. You know, there, there, there are things that are done really well, and they are all super fucking talented. Like clearly, very, very, very good players. It sounds incredibly clinical. This album, in a sort of production sense, which you know, long term listeners will know, I'm not a fan of. I think, I think you may agree with me in the main with that stuff
0: yeah i mean you know metal is all pieced together in it yeah do you know what i mean like that's the sort of irony of uh i guess of people saying oh i know, people that can properly play their instruments and stuff and all oh, pop stars are this and they use auto-tune and blah 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 and it's like well so do metal bands they just piece their music together piece their riffs, and they but there's what there's ways things.
1: there's ways to make it sound like it isn't pieced together you know and ginger clearly have no interest in doing that to be honest this is perfectly fine but there are plenty of bands like this and and they do good business but ginger are being pushed as one of the most exciting and vibrant bands in the scene right now here he
0: goes he's off he's off at the fucking going on at the scene again (laughs) off at the pushing i'm being pushed pushed? go on (laughs) everyone loves that i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure you do this with the, the the correct amount of brevity by the way okay probably, okay but yeah go
1: all on. i was going to say and you've made this a bit longer than it needed to be already but all i'm saying is like nah, it's bad, it? i do not understand why no and and i don't think you do either because i don't see anything in this that hasn't been done a number of times by a number of different bands in this scene for the past 15 maybe 20 years i i, I don't get it why this why now why I've no idea. I don't
0: really know. No, I've got... I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. It's all very samey. That's fine for the sort of people that it's trying to appeal to. Don't think they really care about... Like, they're not going to be listening to the next album that we're talking about and going... Be, they'd will they be going, Oh, melodic part. This song's too long. Like that. that th- this is made for a certain type of person, isn't it? This is made for your more mainstream metal fan i think you're kind of modern metalcore fan and they like stuff like loads of riffs the band looking a bit mad and the type of merch that they put out that's what they care about they don't care about any kind of artistic the progression or they're not really interested in that and i think like broadly what i've come to sort of realize over the last few years is that i think that is there there is a there is a huge huge maybe a majority a kind of silent majority of people into guitar music and when, and heavy guitar music who are mostly interested in sort of recycled slipknot riffs and big breakdowns and bands who have their septum pierced and have like neck tattoos and stuff that's and have like eat my shit you twat on their big words on the back of their t-shirt and a cool logo and stuff oh look they've got they've got camo shorts with their logo on amazing they're Mm -hmm. the best band in the world that's kind of what they care about they're not really that interested in much more than that and you know what i'm not going to say well you should go and listen to the sugar horse album which we're about to talk about instead because it's artistically of far greater value and it has far more depth than that like spoiler alert it does but i don't think those people are that interested in that you know, I think, like for me, un- these kind of unformed, unfleshed-out ideas for something to put into a song. It's not all bad. I've got it like, Opening riff on Colossus is great. The mm-hmm. pre-chorus bit in Colossus is great yeah, as well. Yeah. The blast bit beat at the end of Copycat, I think, is it's wicked. Fantastic. And then it goes into a really that's big wicked. groove afterwards. Yeah. There's a riff at the start of Sleep of the Righteous, which is really good. I actually think the chorus of Disclosure is quite catchy. And the kind of lilting pre-chorus of Sleep of the Righteous as well is really good. I mean, that's kind of the only bits on it that really stood out to me as bits of nothing never an entire song not one entire song on this record and i don't and four albums in i am like oh you should be a bit better at actually writing songs than you are exactly i think that's a bit that's a bit awkward that and the thing is is that there are really kind of crude rudimentary metal bands that are this sort of thing broadly that that just hit that thing like that 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 is murder right Mm. i would never say Die is Murder are amazing and they're one of the most important bands and blah, blah, blah. Die is Murder, to me, when I listen to All Saints or East 17, I get the same feeling from Die is Murder. I can sing along.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: remember all the riffs from Die is Murder. I remember the, I am the purest restrain of hope, will make America hate again. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. holy wars, victims. Like, I remember all that stuff. It's memorable. It's memorable to my ears. I can stick it on. Did do. Have a nice time. They're not like, oh my god, this is like it means so much to my soul. I just have a nice time, just like listening to fucking Five or Bewitched.
1: Mm, like, mm. but if Ginger could do that, I would be fine with it. But they can't. That's what that's what I found surprising about this album. I I was expecting bits which were memorable, and there's there's a surprising lack of memorable bits on this record. And maybe that's not what they're going for. I don't know. But I actually went back to their first album because I really was trying to figure out why you know why there is all this hype around them at the moment and i think i actually think their first album is is much much better than this one i actually think you know i realized oh right so tatiana shalmaluk i'm sure i've mispronounced that but she is capable of writing a memorable melody she can do it but the interesting thing between king of everything their first album and this album they've streamlined everything and kind of made everything narrower And far less interesting, basically. Like, the first album actually had lots of different interesting elements which it felt like they pulled from lots of different things. You know, I got a little bit bored towards the end of King of Everything because, you know, it does go on a bit. But, I mean, this album... I thought this album was, was like, an hour long. And I discovered it was only 47 minutes, but it feels like an hour. And I get bored around the 15-minute mark, I think. Because, really, it's just variations on the same theme. I think they have, like, two song formulas and that's about it there's uh, songs which start fast and heavy and then have a quiet bit in the middle and then end heavy and then there's songs which start quiet and get heavy <laughs> like that's it that's all they do and they just do that again and again and again and it becomes very very boring and i suppose this brings up that argument because we are paid to sit down and listen to lots of music i suppose there's that argument about like music critics don't know what people like in general because we're given so much music all the time that when we hear stuff that sounds the same as everything else it gets boring to us but actually that is what a lot of people like to hear they actually do like familiarity so i suppose it raises all of those questions but for me i i just i just find this utterly baffling not because ginger are a bad band because i don't think they are a bad band but i think they are a perfectly average band and that's about it
0: yeah i mean we wouldn't review like to me this sounds exactly the same as something that would go like on third on the, the thursday on the second stage at tech fest yep. it's no different i, I, I exactly. and we probably we probably wouldn't review that band because they're on a tiny little label no. and i mean yeah i probably wouldn't even listen to them in the first place do you know what i mean i just wouldn't even know they existed because but here it's like oh they, apparently this band are a, a thing and then yeah i mean i don't want to get too much into the reviews and stuff because you know we all know what
1: no, 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 we don't need to do that. But at the same time, we also do need to acknowledge that the only reason we're covering them is because they've got a lot of hype at the moment. I think that's fair to say. So it does need to be mentioned. Yeah,
0: I was I was like, okay, well, we should listen to the stuff that people seem to be keen on. Yeah. And uh, they're keen on this. I guess they just, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, yeah, I, I, I really don't know what the appeal is, to be nope. perfectly honest not really sure i don't think this album is absolute shite no. you know what i mean i'm not like oh this is awful this is absolutely awful uh but i don't i know i'll never listen to it again but no. in that way
1: no, no 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 never no i'll never ever listen to it again and i don't know i i think it's absolutely fine <laughs> it's absolutely fine Is there an argument to be had that maybe me and you just don't like this stuff, Renfri? Well, uh, yes, there is to a degree. Although what I would counter that with was listening to King of Everything, the first album. There were quite a few bits on that record that I was like, this is actually really good here. This is really interesting. And whilst I definitely would not go back to this album at all, King of Everything I'd consider going back to so that would be my counter to that argument yeah we're not massive fans of this sort of thing in the main but there are variations of this thing which we do think are absolutely fantastic so yes and no is the is the answer to that question um it's just I mean, I guess, I guess we're just not a fan, fan of formulas, are we? And but the thing is, there's a lot of people. I don't know. I,
0: I, 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 don't mind a bit of formulaic metal if it's if, if I feel like it's really good.
2: Mm, mm, mm. Do this know, if, doesn't if I feel really like it, good.
0: It, Yeah, if you've got if you got if you're a formulaic metal band who write just a really really great song. I mean, again, the reason I continue to listen to Thy Art Is Murder mm. so much is because as like basic and or hate breeds right yeah because as basic as those bands are essentially they just everything is perfectly produced and it's catchy and like i said like it to me listening to cannibal corpse or that is murder or hate breed to me is the same as listening to like i don't know fucking um backstreet boys or something Mm. and that's not an insult that's that's actually a compliment Mm. because the Backstreet Boys are far better songwriters or, or the whoever writes for the Backstreet Boys write far better songs than most people.
1: You're expecting to get a thing and you get it and you're satisfied mm-hmm. with getting that thing. Yeah.
0: But you need it to be like a real fun thing. You mm-hmm. need it to be like a really kind of satisfying thing. You need it to make it kind of wanna pump your fist and stuff. And too much of this I was like, Oh, this is a good riff. And then a sort of melodic vocal come in and you'd be like, Oh god. Yeah. yeah. This isn't a great hook it's not a great chorus
1: there are very few good hooks on this record
0: yeah i mean i genuinely don't think like i think i've said it before already i genuinely don't think there is a single good song on this record no not, no, not a is. good song yeah there are songs with three really good ideas yeah within them absolutely yeah that are surrounded by a lot of fuzzy thinking i think yes or just like i don't you know we're not really sure what to do at this point so we should probably just go slow Do a breakdown? Yeah, exactly. Who knows? And it yeah.
1: I don't feel like I'm in confident hands with Ginger. I feel like everything's kinda like, Well, shall we do this then, I guess? Okay. Um Mm. and it just doesn't feel it just doesn't feel exciting or fresh or innovative or interesting to me at all.
0: Mm. Yeah, same. Uh anyway, that's Wallflowers by Ginger, which is out now, or Spirit Box, (laughs) which is out in a few weeks. Uh, which we say which we're not going to review so uh, but that's what we think of the spirit box album <laughs> I, um, or I do anyway do you, have you listened to um, I've not listened to it yet okay but. don't worry for Renfri so you don't have to Renfri, you, you you do <laughs> um all right, let's move on to Sugar Horse, The Live Long After. It is the debut full-length album from the Bristol-based Noisy, Miserable Shit. We did their EP <laughs> Drugs last year. We thought it was a sexy time, didn't we? Oh, we mate. We
1: thought it was a, a fitty. I absolutely um, adore that EP, um, still so listen good. to it very, very regularly. I think we both decided that it was probably collectively our favourite EP of the year, didn't we? We I did. We, we did, did decide that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, ag-
0: we agreed on something. <laughs> we
1: agree on a lot of things. We've just been quite disagree recently, but we do agree mm-hmm. on a lot of things. Um, actually, we're going to agree on. A l- we agree on practically everything this week, I think. Um, yeah. And I think something that we really loved about that record is how expansive it felt, how dynamic. it it felt goodness me. We're going to talk about dynamics quite a bit on this. I think um, the fact that one moment, you know, they they'll sound like I don't know the most beautiful thing that the Cure have ever put out, and then the next, they sound like a fucking storm is happening in your brain like some of the 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 leaps from the really quiet stuff to the really heavy stuff is is just absolutely cataclysmic Um, and how you get there as well and how you get there yeah and having the patience to um to build those things up in such a way that you know like i've always said that the more you put into records the more you get out of them but that's only true if there is a lot of depth to an album in the first place i do think you have to work you know uh, you have to you have to work a little bit with sugar horse in order to get the nuances and to get it but if you do my god it really opens up to you um this this album in particular and yeah the long live after i mean i have to confess i love drugs so much that on an initial listen if i'm totally honest uh the first couple of times i listened to it i was like oh i'm not sure if they've quite matched what they did on drugs but actually after a few listens i do think they've they've got some absolutely phenomenal stuff on this record yes um
0: i think picking up on that, mm. it, with that drugs felt really surprising mm. and it was sort of again the dynamics are amazing and it felt willfully antagonistic. Antig- now, the yeah. first one minute and 50 seconds of this is I am I am not now nor how I've ever been. It's a fucking loud start to a very loud at points record. And I was like, hooray. There is something willfully antagonistic about Sugar Horse, which I think is both um, brilliant and also really funny. Uh, <laughs> and they just decide to mangle the shit out of you immediately. And I thank them for that. But this, you know... It's not really black metal. It's not really hardcore. Certainly isn't indie. And yet it does sort of sound like all of those things at once. Yeah. I mean, that first thing's like nearly two minutes. It's just horrible, horrible fucking noise. Um,
1: well, it's also quite brilliantly ushered in by Ash counting off, you know, one, two, three, four, in a very kind of whispered, quiet fashion, almost like Jack Johnson in in um, introing one of his songs or something like that. But then rather than like a beautifully uh, plucked clean acoustic guitar part that comes in it is just like a barrage of noise that comes in and there's that kind of sense of humor that's that's there as Mm. well you know and that whole sense of like we are constantly trying to wrong foot you and surprise you and do something interesting and different
0: and they do and they get to the next song shouting at Bob Dylan which um, uh, sorry shouting (laughs) Judas at Bob Dylan I mean some people have been shouting other things recently feels, feels fairly tame by comparison it's very apt yeah it's got that arcane hate filled slow stomp And then it becomes completely discordant and then really melodic within seconds of itself yeah it sounds incredible and again the dynamic range of this is so great i found myself actually turning this album up a lot and then shitting myself and having to turn it straight back down again immediately because the loud and the quiet was so loud and so quiet yeah and it's really really great that song is the perfect
1: dynamic range i think Historically, bands have been encouraged not to have those levels of dynamics because historically, radio would not play your stuff. Radio wants all of your songs to be on kind of like the same dynamic volume level uh, because it doesn't sound good if it becomes really, really quiet bits and then really, really loud and then, you know, if, if you have something on in the background, it's jarring. But the sad thing about that is dynamics is a really fundamental tool in terms of making music sound interesting well, it certainly is in my opinion and the way that sugar horse used dynamics on this record is absolutely incredible i mean i am going to compare it to post-rock because i think no, you're, it not. Is, no yes, you're not no you're not i'm not going to let you do yes, it I because am. i'm going to
0: tell you you can yes, do that if you want but i'm going to tell you you're wrong to compare it to post-rock because actually this is goth this is not post-rock this is goth this is the cure I think this is, is pre-post rock that they're drawing from. I, I'm I'm going to remove the post rock from this from this analogy. I'm going to say I'm sorry. Yes, fine, I get it. They're long songs and they're very immersive. But actually, what Sugar Horse are drawing on, I believe, is not post rock. It is in fact stuff like Bauhaus and The Cure, and it predates post rock. go. your post rock analogy for once, Remfrey, uh, I'm vetoing <laughs> it. I'm using my go straight to jail card.
1: Good to speak. I think, (laughs) I think, uh, yes, uh, of course they are pulling from Bauhaus and The Cure. We both know Ash loves The Cure. Um, Yes, of course they are. I I would not deny that at all. I think they're pulling from both, to be honest. The beginning of Phil Spector in Hell sounds like Mogwai jamming a Cure song. I think they draw from both equally, in my opinion. Whether Ash would agree or not, I don't know. I think they're both in there.
0: I think it sounds like, Faith Era The Cure, Jamming Disintegration Era The Cure.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I'm just mm. saying, I think there's a bit of post-rock mm. on it as well. I mean, look, the other thing that I know is, is Ash is a massive fan of Ocean Size. And Ocean Size are not a post-rock band, but they use post-rock elements. And really, are Sugar Horse a post-rock band? Absolutely not. They're not a post-rock band, but they do utilise post-rock elements. That's all I'm saying. They're definitely a post-something band,
0: though, aren't they? A post-black metal, post-shoegaze, post-goth. Like, there's that, whatever that post thing is to entail. I think they, you know, like, obviously, I was only doing that. Just to add a little bit of tension to the, uh, a little bit of... (laughs) <laughs> to the to the review but yeah you know fat Dracula's is awesome you got this kind uh, of crushing super anthemic thing together the end of fat dracula
1: is positively apocalyptic it's yeah brilliant. they've got a
0: really brilliant way of being able to write hooks and melodies while still crushing your brain yeah. like an industrial trouser press around the <laughs> neck it is fuck, i don't know that wouldn't cross your brain at all would it but anyway <laughs> um and yeah feel <laughs> threatened how i'm glad you brought that up because it's really slow and somber and lush and i was kind of going i was waiting and this is a clever thing that they do because i was waiting i was like well so far when they're really quiet they're, they're gonna get really loud and i was like uh, i've got your number sugar horse i've got your number but they teased the shit out of you for the <laughs> longest time. It's eight minutes long, right? And it just it's this massive soundscape. And it's really melodic. It's really beautiful. It's really great. It's really kind of, you know, reminiscent of Ride and Slow Dive, but shot through with that kind of really, that the kind of echo in a bunny man meets goth-like thing. And they never do it. And you go, oh, okay. And again, you get, I, I think, again, that kind of post punky. um feel of the the live long after that echo cure style soundscape thing really quiet and vocals you have to really listen to and again i think this is a really important thing about this record and something that i really love about this band is you have to really really listen to get what's going on first listen i I just tried to hear it Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean i just was like i just need to try and hear it second try you sort of second listening you sort of try and follow it third fourth time starts to seep into your head a bit. By the time you get to the fifth, sixth, seventh exactly. I mean I've had this a little while now, I'm sure you have too. Yeah, yeah. So we've probably listened to it for a good few weeks already, at yeah. least I would say. But I love the fact that every time something else just seeps into your head bit by bit by a yeah. bit. And it's that song, the Live Long is so quiet. But when that Doom Riff comes in and that half time thing comes in, it just sounds like Holy fuck. Holy fuck! This is so heavy. It is so, so, so heavy.
1: I think the key thing with this kind of music that sometimes a lot of people misunderstand is it's not about the destination. It's about the journey getting there, you know. And sometimes a criticism that is used for, like, a criticism that could be used for a song like Phil Spector and Hell is like, "Oh, it just takes so long before it gets to the heavy bit," as if the heavy bit is the The only, yeah, the only moment that is of any merit whatsoever. Now, the heavy bit is the payoff, but that doesn't mean that it is the only bit of any merit. And I would argue to people who said stuff like that, that... You're not paying any fucking attention to the beautiful seven minutes that comes before that. It isn't all about just being heavy all the fucking time, because that gets really boring, Ginger. It's about being dynamic and and going on those sort of journeys with this music. And actually, uh, for all this talk of how heavy this record is, and when it is heavy, it is really heavy. I actually think overall, and I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't do heavy bits, but overall, the bits that I enjoy the most are the quieter, more glacial, slower, cure type. Like, Phil Spector in Hell is one of my favourite songs on it. It's brilliant. But overall, it, it's actually quite a chilled song. And, and, and I think, I mean, another thing, this album is almost an hour long and it fit to me it feels like i don't know 40 minutes it feels Mm. like it goes really really quickly but the irony is they're actually playing very slowly like you know some of these songs probably have a tempo of like 46 or something and most most rock songs have a tempo of around 100 or 110 or something like that so some of them are really really glacially slow but in a weird way that makes it feel like it goes fast it does to me anyway I, i mean certainly this album does not feel an hour long at all, and I think a large part of that is down to the dynamics and the way that they're using sound and creating spaces in the sound, and just having, just opening them themselves up to use as many tools at their disposal as
0: possible. I was amazed when I actually sat down to write my notes on this record because, like I say, the first few times I listened to it, I just put it on. Yeah, and I was a mate. I put it on in the background went and did something and i just sat and listened to it and stuff and didn't really pay attention didn't know what the songs were called didn't know what you know and i was just listened to it too, just because i was like oh i want to listen to this I, I was amazed when i looked at the track listings the the song lengths when the, you know you think yep. there's a song on it like phil spectrum tells eight minutes and seven the, the the live long after is eight minutes um dadcore world cup which is fucking great as well is eight minutes 49 um a las vegas showgirl is nine minutes and 12 seconds i couldn't believe it yeah i couldn't exactly. believe how i mean the las vegas show, showgirl uh, to end the album is the kind of slamming screaming bawling lunacy that i <laughs> i just love it's really good the bass sound is fucking amazing when it just throbs along it's great and then there's songs like the great british death cult which starts just, to
1: fucking just before converge. just before you move on from that last song yes it is so massive towards the end it sounds so loud and so apocalyptic but it starts so quietly that song Mm. that the first time i listened to this album um i missed it off because i thought the album had ended because there's like it takes a good 30 or 40 seconds before you can really hear what's going on unless you have it up really really loud Um, but i actually think that's great because if you put it really it kind of makes you turn the volume up because there's these little bits that you can't quite hear and then when it does come come in really really loud it really does sound properly powerful rather than you know being beat around the head with the same kind of sound over and over again ad infinitum so Mm. yeah i
0: mean yeah it is i i had no idea it was so long
2: yeah me too
0: it's really good um is this worthy of a death heaven would you say i mean i think they're very different bands i think they're kind of there's clearly more of a balanced meld of heavy stuff and indie stuff on sugar horse than there was on say the death heaven album that we spoke about last week i actually think it's pretty astonishing when you listen to this record and I I, I I i'm trying to think of a band who've done this type of thing this explicitly like the whole kind of black gaze thing of oh, i would shoegaze with black metal yeah Yeah, 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 it is. But I do still feel like most of those bands are black metal bands with elements of shoegaze. Whereas Sugar Horse, I don't really know what they are. Some of the parts in this are definitely not black metal. Definitely not. I think there's odd little nods to black metal. I think there's loads of, obviously, there's loads of goth in there, which is different to shoegaze. I do think there's shoegaze in there as well. I do think there's just straight indie in there. I think there's actual hardcore in there as well. There's Converges and... Botches and and bands and every time I die and bands like that and I also think there's I don't know Black Sabbath Doom Down Cathedral like do you know what I mean I think all of that is in there as well so I'm not sure that I've heard a band be this kind of explicitly spliced between really kind of washy melodic spacey stuff and just anarchic noisy hatred
1: certainly they combine so many different elements together that it feels like they create something that genuinely sounds quite new and fresh i think there is quite a clear sugar horse voice already after just a couple of eps and one album um i think they that voice was actually in place certainly from drugs maybe even their previous ep Druge, you know um and as we've discussed many times those are the best bands um are you asking are they of the quality of deaf heaven uh, at this stage no i don't think so but um i would take this is their debut full-length album and i would yeah. certainly take this over roadster judah which is the first deaf heaven album it does just so happened to be my least favourite Def Evan album as well. But if they continue to build on this, there's absolutely no reason. I mean, it, it's interesting that you're saying black metal there, because that's. That, I agree with everything else you say, but black metal is the only one where, I mean, if I really sort of did the the, the audio equivalent of squinting, then maybe I'd be able to hear black metal elements, but
0: can you not hear black metal in it?
1: Um, I- I'm not going to say that it's not there at all, but that is not something that I would have written down in my notes personally. Everything else really? you said, no, no, uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean that it isn't. But you know, you oh. sort of suggested there, you know, our sugar horse, a black gaze band. The gaze stuff I absolutely see, but um, less so the black metal stuff Uh, that does that is not me going it is not there but it's not something that that leapt out at me personally this just feels like incredibly heavy goth
0: which is essentially what cradle of filth are
1: well i was about to say you could argue that is not a million miles away from black metal a certain type of black metal but i suppose i saw it more as the cure played through neurosis is guitar tone or something like that more than i saw it as black metal i just think
0: the bits where it gets really sort of screamy mm. and really discordant they still keep that kind of shoegazy early Space. creation records yeah. fuzz surrounding it but the guitars are so harsh and very cold as well like you know when it's really discordant they're so fucking cold and that i was like yeah i can see that you know that kind of really sort of ah oh, black mm. metal i mm. don't know what that is actually i'm just lifting my fists to the sky <laughs> and um, that's but, you post know, that rock. kind of
1: that's post-rock god speedy black emperor lift your fingers kiss well, oh, my fists are like fat <laughs> so
0: it's not i'm afraid <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. Um I i, mate, I I'm not sort of Yeah, I I am not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I didn't pick up on that. Um but but I don't I don't think it's entirely incorrect. It's not the way that I would have put it, but you know, I mean goodness me, we're getting into a genre discussion which is getting yeah, yeah, boring yeah, anyway. Yeah, but you yeah, know yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. 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 Mm. It's a lot of stuff in this record. It's a lot of stuff, yeah. Essentially is what we're saying. And I would say most of it, if not all
1: of it is really good i think it's fucking all great. of it like actually, you know, all, there's nothing on it that i don't like no that way. not a single thing and for a debut album i think it's an absolute class act um i've still not seen sugar horse live which is no. really fucking annoying but they are playing a number of gigs soon and i'm pretty convinced that when i see them live this album is just going to increase in my estimations mm two-fold three-fold you know i think it's are They play in to... london yeah they play in london um i want to say t- october th- they're playing portals festival yeah they're playing a bunch of shows okay good i want to see that i uh, hopefully they'll do
0: their u2 cover as well
1: okay. oh and dedicate it to you again
0: well no 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 you don't have to dedicate it to me you can
1: but <laughs> uh sorry sugar horse are playing But i
0: do want to see them do that
1: they're playing the london london tt9 venue on the 20th of october and they are doing a small tour around the UK as well i don't know the other tour dates and they are also playing portals so there's a number of things you should come down to portals the portals guys would like would love to have you steve let me look at the lineup while we're doing this when we actually do this i mean i'll probably cut this bit out cuz it'll be a bit boring but yeah go for it
0: no i think <laughs> i think people will want to hear me google something <laughs>
1: I believe it. I believe it to be a thing. I believe... I mean, Portals, we've got Bosk, we've got Big Lad, we've got Vasa. we've got the Hyena Kill, Luo. Big Lad, I haven't said I haven't said that I'm definitely going yet.
0: Oh! Uh, <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Uh, yeah, actually, it is good, isn't it? Hyena it's Kill, yeah. Mountain Caller are there, Sugar Horse. Yeah. Let's Swim Get Swimming. Is
1: that a band, is it? Let's Swim Get Swimming. Uh, yes, apparently so. I've never heard of... Might want to change that name, lads. Um... <laughs> Clip Dripper playing the next day. I told you I would eat you. Pine. Yeah, that's a good day, that. Richard Spaven. Yeah, Richard Spaven. Gallops. Alpha Male Tea Party. Nervous. Uh, it's just, yeah. It's right. Yeah.
0: Parachute for Gordo. Uh, what are names now? What are names? <laughs> what are names What now? are names? What are what names?
1: Name? What are names? Why
0: people got... How profound? Weird, what What kind of name is... Uh, parachute for gordon
1: it's it's an eclectic one i would say it's an unusual one it is isn't it yeah you know yeah.
0: you're not gonna get on top of the pops with a name like <laughs> that
1: <laughs> i'm sure that's what they're aiming for <laughs> i'm sure it is yeah i'm sure <laughs> nice little shout out for Pauls there a little bit of promo we they didn't ask us to do that but there you go but genuinely we yeah. Do think, portals yeah is portals.
0: Great. yeah portals you didn't you didn't ask us to do that and we did it anyway what <laughs> are you gonna do for us <laughs>
1: well they'll probably give us free tickets you know so- what else
0: <laughs> i want you to buy me more. i want more you need to buy me um last action hero on blu-ray <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah yeah well um i'm sure that i i know that i know they listen so we'll see how portals respond in the next few days
0: and uh bonjour wants some treats as well. <laughs> Get bonjour, some cat treats
1: I mean if we if we're going down this route um what do I want on blu ray? Oh, jaffa I'd, cakes you want. Oh like. yes. Oh want yes. I would like some jaffa cakes please and um the back to the future trilogy on blu ray because I've only got it on dvd and I'd like it upgraded please. I mean,
0: we don't think it's going to need it on blue. If you got it on dvd you don't need it on. But
1: Blu-ray. I want it on blu ray Steve. All right, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, sugar <laughs> right. horse
0: are good. Sugar horse. <laughs> The Live Long After by Sugar Horse is out now. It's right good.
1: See you, mate. It's fucking great. Please listen to it. It's fucking great. Do listen great. to it.
0: All right, let's move on. Our last album comes from Sons of Alpha Centauri. The album is called Push. It is the third album from the Far Stroke Wilhaven collaboration band. The follow-up to 2019's Buried Memories. I actually reviewed this for Metal Hammer. mm Delighted to hear, and, and I just this this gave this it a good th- review. You did. Just gave it a good review, rather than going like, "You idiot! You like ginger. <laughs> you won't, you won't like this. You fucking
1: idiot!" Yeah, well, but it is great. That's my house style, isn't it? um yeah. That that's uh, that. Well done, Steve, for just doing your job properly and um, not insulting the rest of your colleagues. Un- and co- unbelievable <laughs> say that I don't do my job properly i didn't speak you didn't um yes you did you just said you, you just oh yeah no she didn't actually you, <laughs> exactly. you
0: implied you implied that well done for once
1: you've done your job properly <laughs> I didn't th- okay i apologize if there was that implication that wasn't what i was saying
0: mm. who gets more work out for Mounthammer? hammer me or you who's going to watch voices at the black art on
1: sunday yeah me yeah not you because <laughs> i turned it down <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jonathan, it is, it is. Jonathan offered it to me first. <laughs> but, yeah, but
1: he
0: gave me Fever 333. he was just now cancelled.
2: So yeah, uh, yeah, this
1: is not what we should be discussing. No. What are we talking about
0: again? Uh, we were talking about this. I reviewed it. I mean, you might have seen that already if you buy Metal Hammer. It's because I gave it an 8 out of 10 and I gave it really because I really like this, but this is because of one man and one man alone really. Jonah Matranga, he of One Line Drawing, New and Original, Gratitude, and mainly, particularly in the case of this band, Fame
1: um <sighs> we should we should say though and i didn't realize this until quite later on um sons of alpha centauri were actually originally a instrumental band um and this is actually their third album and joan has just come on mm. for this record as well as um yeah. uh, matey boy from willhaven mitch Mitch Wheeler Thank you um, But they've just come on For this album I don't know if it's gonna If they're gonna continue Along this line Or anything like that But yeah So I, I have to confess I have not heard Sons of, Sons of Alpha Centauri Before so I don't know If this is reminiscent Of what they've done In the past or not But um, it was quite interesting Because I was totally Unaware of that I have to be honest i thought this was just a debut album and sort of one of jonah's new bands uh, of which he has many um but i don't think it is quite that it's just it's just i guess their sons of south african sure just fans of jonah and they asked him to sing on this and that's what's happened so there we go
0: i guess so um i have reviewed something they did in a previous metal hammer and i cannot remember which one it was so they gave me this again I remember thinking they were pretty good. Okay, and they were definitely kind they of, were
1: instrumental then. I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, they were. Yeah, um and I mean from the first song, it's the thing that made far so brilliant. I think the kind of lilting beauty of Jonah's voice, with some driving, melodic hard rock post hardcore, whatever you want to call it, post rock, that makes this so it so fucking cool. Like I want to call well, everything. Yeah, I mean that would be hugely uh, it would be inaccurate in this case. Yeah. In this yeah. Um <laughs> but I'm still going to call Get it. Get the guns. <laughs> Get the guns is an awesome song. In the same way as we were talking about that Quicksun album last week being awesome, just this is riffs and rhythm and a great vocal performance and hooks and stuff
1: that sounds just sounds good yeah 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 um i I, certainly look i mean i understand the far comparisons that you're making and it's been a it's been a a a short while um since we've heard jonah sing slash scream over distorted guitars the last time that i recall was probably gratitude which came out 16 years ago now which makes me feel quite old and to be honest gratitude was fucking hell really i believe so i might have got my dates mixed up but i think it was around 16 years ago and gratitude was a more rock band kind of thing um but not not in the same way and i do agree that this is closer to far um and i know you didn't say this but i don't want to give the impression that this is a far clone because i think um i think there's enough going on to distinguish it from from far even though that it's tempting to go well okay there's that far connection because this is the first yeah this, like there's post hardcore elements to it and far post hardcore broadly as well but um yeah to there's to, to simply there's... insinuate that it's a far um that sounds like just like far is, is 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 slightly inaccurate in my opinion
0: yeah it's it sounds like sacramento is what it sounds
1: like yeah that's a pretty good shout actually yeah yeah if sacramento mm. had I mean a it's sound, a really... this would be it yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah it's good to hear jonah sounding heavy again or Isn't being the, kind of yeah it's uh, really uh, nice. singing over some quite i mean he sounds quite harsh mm. at some points you know there is a screaming elements on it like listen the the next track is really discordant and heavy and his voice appears totally untouched or unravaged by time which i think is also incredibly incredibly impressive he can do the screaming he can do that very kind of low whispered thing with such like such power Stegall actually used to cover that's my band by the way if you're a noob and you're listening like my band back in the day we used to cover Barry white and doing the quiet bit is really fucking difficult really difficult because you do still have to sing hmm. and project but you just have to be kind of lower down the rhythm and it and and he does those that quiet singing with the same level of power as he does with the singing mm-hmm. but obviously like the dynamic right you know it's brilliant yeah. i mean it's really good like obviously it's got mitch and Wilhaven in it so it does have that kind of propulsive kind of powerful backbeat of willhaven it's got a lot of deftones mm-hmm. style i would say early uh deftones up to maybe like the self-titled album style deftones parts on it as well the enemy has got some serious chug on it but again always 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 i think this record is dominated by that voice and that's not to shit on the other musicians on this record because i think they make a fucking fantastic foil for his voice to go wherever it needs to go um
1: but the thing is is Jonah's voice is just so damn distinctive isn't it and look I, I'm sure the guys from Alpha, and Alpha Centauri are aware of this and that's probably a large part of the reason why they put him, put him on it but it's just I mean look as fans of Jonah and Jonah's work it is just so fucking nice to hear him singing over some Rocky stuff again I really like Jonah's solo stuff and I go to his solo shows quite regularly because they are a really fun time and Jonah just has this wonderful way with the audience and it's just it's just a lovely lovely time but it is really nice to hear him being in a quote unquote rock band again, you know. Uh, mm. and this is really cool. I think um there are some really awesome elements like you mentioned the enemy there, which have these kind of synths which are more that's so I was being facetious where I said that this was a post rock record, because, you know, it isn't. But there are actually little um dabs you can kind of hear little bits and pieces of their instrumental past on the album but it's all condensed into i think this is nine songs it's 35 minutes you know it, it is it's a it's a short record and it does go by quite quickly but it does stuff quite a lot in in that time and jonah's performance is so yeah it, it is incredibly dominant but that's because he has an incredibly distinctive voice you always know it's jonah mm-hmm. like straight away um uh, and and it just sounds awesome and it goes between some very very heavy riff riffy passages into some really progressive dreamy stuff as well which is really nice it's very kind of uh i feel like it's ideologically rooted in the 90s hardcore scene a, a lot of this you know which is no bad thing especially it's like jaw in there as well I think. yeah think. and even
0: Thursday I mean the title track has got a real Adam Clayton bass line which I thought was great and then it goes full Thursday Mm. and if you're of a certain age my age basically and you like this sort of music you're going to be bang up for it Mm. I mean if you like Water and I mean again I think Buried Under is a classic far sounding song that's that to me i was like this really sounds like it could have been lifted from water and solutions in the best possible way mm-hmm. like not like oh you're ripping yourself off while mm-hmm. oh, you've run out of ideas just like oh, that sounds like that but then you know yeah there is far more to it than that i think um boys and girls is incredible yeah. it's so good i would say it's nearly it deserves to be thought of as being in a conversation of it being on par with the blur song of the same name that Death <laughs> backbeat. That Steph Carpenter riff, like full-blown around-the-fur-era deftones, that sounds like to me, but with Jonah front in it. Mm. Absolutely incredible. I mean, it's not as good as the Blur song of the same name, obviously. I mean, but surprisingly, I
1: think it's better. But that might... Oh, what a
0: surprise.
1: <laughs> not a fan of Blur. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then it changed, and I think it, it does, It like, Boys and Girls is so good that they changed tack completely for the life. They're like, well, we've done that now. We're not going to do that any better. So you get a doomier, slower song in Saturn, which is a bit more methodical. And I think that sort of represents a bit of a change in the record. Dark Knight is just snaking, creeping. And Jonah's vocals, again, just perfectly suave and seductive. I love him, by the way. <laughs> just want to put that out there. And then Own, I think, sounds a bit like Pink Maggot from. Uh, from White Pony. Oh, I didn't
1: get that, but yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, mm. oh, absolutely. Good, you've done the whole thing. Yes, I agree. Uh, but I, I have, do agree yeah. with all of that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. I mean, if you like post-hardcore, and but then you also like the more kind of spacious, ethereal version of what Deftones did on something like Minerva then this is for you you're gonna yeah. love it this is an absolute fucking slam dunk of a record for you
1: i do agree i do agree with what you're saying i don't want to give the impression that this is um a deftones copy or anything like that although at the same time i do agree that those elements are there in it you know some people accuse loathe of just ripping off deftones and there isn't you know whether you agree with that or not i mean i think that's a massive oversimplification of what loath have done but but sure i understand where people are coming from this isn't that but there are definitely elements of that really big heavy riffy sound mixed with the spacious ethereal stuff which deftones just happen to do as well uh but yeah but you wouldn't say they sound sons of alpha Century sound like deftones would you at
0: points
2: they do,
0: yeah. Oh, okay. At points they sound like far. At points they sound like Thursday. At points they sound like um, Will Haven with a with a clean singer. At points they sound like Jawbox. At points they sound like Fugazi. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, n- none of this is a bad thing, is it? <laughs> so, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So yeah.
0: I actually, to contradict you, I would like to give people the impression that they sound like Deftones right, and fine. Far because I think a they do. Mm. And B, what's your fucking beef with that? Well, idiot? I
1: don't. I just, I just, I just wanted to. I, 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 I do think that. I do think that it has its own sound as well. Like, I, I don't totally disagree with you, but I think they are. I, I think they mix enough elements to have a voice which the, sounds like them.
0: These are all yes. These are all, but these are all very, very familiar. Yeah elements that we're talking about. These are all incredibly familiar elements um that go into the the makeup of a band. Yeah. A bit like we were saying about Quicksand last week. I mean I would add Quicksand into that as well. Mm. The Quicksand album isn't doing anything that you haven't heard before. You're not gonna put this album on and go, Oh my god, I've never heard anything like this before in my entire life. It's just so unique and so original. You know, it's not like it's not like turnstile where you go, is there another band? sort of doing this kind of thing yeah yeah there are plenty of bands that have done this but they haven't done it for a long time and they have to do it well and the this is done really really well i think it's a great record it's a great record which is a a kind of a beautiful love letter to all of the shit that these people have been involved in that you wouldn't expect like you say them to stylistically like they're not going to make a fucking um grime album are they these people
1: no 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 no, yeah. no I, I i think that's fair i think that's fair and well argued i think um yeah I, I i would be more than happy to hear more from sons of alpha centauri and i'd be more than happy if they continued working alongside jonah i have absolutely no idea if that's going to happen or not but um you know this is this is great to hear i love this kind of thing and i mean we're both suckers for this kind of thing anyway i guess yeah but you know, this is done to a very high standard. It's very, very good. So I'd be totally happy to hear more um, if that happened. Be interested to know if they tore it or not. Um, all of these are unknowns at the moment, I believe. I don't think they've announced all dates. Um, but mm, I haven't seen any of yeah. them. No. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I think I think this is a wicked record. I think it's really cool. Really good.
0: Good. There you go. Sons of Alpha Centauri. Push is the name of that record if you want to go and check it out, uh, which I would suggest that you do do cuz it is really good. All right, next week we have been waiting for it. Um, <laughs> um well, one of us are, but anyway. Uh we're going to be reviewing the new album from Iron Maiden. Hopefully.
1: Yes. Yes. Hopefully. You were very well, you were you were, you know, pretty positive about the single. So, you never know.
0: And then they brought out the next single. <laughs> so. oh, I haven't heard I
2: have heard <laughs> that one.
1: <clears throat> okay yeah i love iron maiden so at least one of us will hopefully like it we'll see we've not heard it yet
0: Mm, haven't heard it yet all right fine uh see you later guys it's been fun it's been nice thank you for listening as ever